Does your membership topic have a natural end date, a natural completion date? So by that, if someone joins your membership because there's a very specific outcome that they're trying to reach, once they've reached that outcome, is that it? Does your membership cease being useful? If your membership topic has that natural end date, you might be banging your head against the wall, trying to figure out what you can do to get people to stick around once they've accomplished what they joined to accomplish. And that is what we're talking about today on episode 299 of the Membership Guys podcast. You're listening to the Membership Guys podcast, bringing you proven practical tips and advice from the leading experts on growing a successful membership business each and every week. And now, here's your host, Mike Morrison. Well, hello there. Welcome to episode 299 of the Membership Guys podcast, one episode away from the big 300. How did that happen? How have I been doing anything long enough to have done 300 of them? That's that's crazy. I want to thank those of you who I know have been with us since episode one, as well as those of you who just joined us right now, today. This is the first one you're listening to. I want to thank you so much for spending some time with me, for supporting the show. If you're not already subscribed, make sure you hit that subscribe button to ensure you do not miss a single weekly episode. And if you are already a subscriber, if you've been listening for a while, if you have a minute out of your day where you can do me a little favor, I would so hugely appreciate it. If you could leave us a nice review of the podcast, preferably with five shiny stars, telling us what you like about the show, how it's helped you, that would mean the absolute world to us. Not only does it help us to know we're doing something right and we're actually helping you guys, but it also helps us to reach more people, which means we can make more of an impact. We can help more people make their membership successful. And that is what we are all about. So if you do have a minute or two and you find the show useful, if this show has ever helped you in any way, shape or form, I would love it. Love it. If you could take just a minute out of your day, I don't even think it takes that long if you just want to hit the five stars and then just say, Mike is awesome, then go for it. I'm not going to complain, but if you do have that little bit of time to let us know how the show has helped, it would mean a lot. We podcasters thrive on feedback, thrive on reviews, and so too do the podcast apps and the algorithms. Those These reviews do help us to reach more people and do more good. So, oh, begging over. Let's dive into today's subject. So this is a real specific topic, but it is something that's come up enough times over the years that I thought it was well worth doing an episode on. And that is, how do you handle it when your membership topic, the very subject of your membership, has a natural end point? So there's a, a fixed point at which your membership pretty much becomes no longer useful. So this could be a membership where you help people to prepare for and to pass a specific exam or qualification, maybe to pass a driving test. Perhaps you have a membership that helps people to navigate the application process for college or university or medical school, or maybe a membership for people who are planning their wedding. So there's a very 
fixed, very definite outcome that once achieved renders your membership pretty redundant. I mean, if your membership helps people pass their driving test, then someone isn't really going to have a reason to stick around after they've passed. The job is done, you served your purpose, you got them where they needed to go, but unless someone has a weird addiction to like repeatedly taking driving tests, I don't even know if you can do that, they're not going to need to stick around. If you have a membership that helps people plan their wedding, once the big day is done, what do they need from you? Do they need to stay part of a membership uh, where they're planning the wedding? Now, there will be a small segment of your audience who repeatedly get married, then divorced, then married, then divorced, but you can't rest your entire business on those serial wedding addicts. And so, yeah, you reach that point where you serve your purpose, the reason someone joined, the destination they were trying to get to, it's done, the box is ticked, and you're no longer required. And maybe your membership isn't quite as cut and dry in terms of having that really solid, definite final point where, as we said, that box gets ticked, you outlive your purpose. Maybe that end point is a little softer. So perhaps you have a membership teaching people the basics of podcasting. So how to get a podcast up and running. You give them training on the tech and the software. You give them advice on how to get their first listeners and so on. If that's the segment of your audience that you're catering to, then you'll find that, again, it's it's not quite as definite a point at which your membership becomes redundant. But generally speaking, once people are up and running, once they get a little experience under their belt, then they'll end up leaving too because they've outgrown your membership at a particular common point within their journey. So what does this mean for you? Well, if you already have a membership where the focal point of what you do, what you help people to achieve, is, as we said, something that has a concrete, very fixed end point, then you'll already know what this means. It means that people hit that point and then everyone leaves. But is there anything you can do to address it? Or if you're thinking of starting a membership that helps people with that very finite problem, that very specific outcome, what can you do? Should you change your plans? Is there anything you can do about it? Well, the first thing that you should do is to reconsider whether this should actually be a membership or whether it makes more sense as a course or a coaching program. Typically, a membership works best when it's addressing a recurring need, not a one-time need, a one-off need. One-off needs like, I need to learn this specific process, this one method. I need to reach this single milestone, and once I've hit it, that's done. I need to pass this test. Those type of one-off needs tend to be better suited to something like a course, where there's a very clear starting point, a very clear end point, and a specific sequence of actions to get from A to B, and once you're at B, you're done. So if you have a membership that only addresses a one-and-done need, and typically people are finished with you after, say, four months, if you're charging 50 bucks a month, and you're getting four payments, so four monthly payments, for each member who joins, then you earn $200 per member. Might you be better off repackaging the material in your content as a course and selling that for a $200 one-time fee? Or even better, selling it for $300 and actually making a little bit more money? 
does the very finite, very linear nature of what you help people to do and the complete drop-off that comes once people have achieved that goal, does that suit a membership? Generally speaking, it doesn't. If you can make the same amount of money or more and ditch all of those membership elements that most people typically have, the community, the ongoing extra content and so on, and you create a course where it's totally DIY, someone buys the course, they study at their own pace, they don't expect, they don't need interaction with you, they don't expect, they don't need interaction with the community, you can largely set it and forget it. So you just focus on getting sales without worrying about retention, without worrying about serving a community, without worrying about member experience and so on. If you can do that, then would that make more sense in the context of what your audience actually needs and what part of their needs you're addressing and the fact that it's one and done rather than recurring and repeating needs? Now, I know what you're thinking, Mike, think about what you're saying. You're one of the membership guys. Membership guys. Membership. Why are you telling me not to have a membership? Why are you saying turn your membership into a course? Well, sure, that's true. We are the membership guys. But as much as we love this model and as much as we think memberships are awesome, we're not the type of people who bandy around this idea that everyone should have a membership. Everyone should have a membership. Memberships are the only model you should even consider. We live in the real world and we've got far too much experience in both business and specifically in the membership world to know that that is just not the case. There are situations, there are particular problems that you might want to solve where a membership simply isn't the solution. It just doesn't make sense. And when it comes to these really finite needs, these one and done, these single use experiences, membership more often than not, is not the best model. Usually a course or a program that starts and it finishes and there's no recurring need beyond that specific fixed outcome. If solving this problem, if helping people get that result, get that outcome, just makes more sense being a course, make it a course. Don't try and shoehorn it into a membership model because your business coach told you that memberships are the future or because you know you got caught up in the hype of someone selling their snake oil product in which they're saying everyone should have a membership courses are dead everyone should have a membership <laughs> memberships are not the be all end all they are not the singular solution for every possible situation if it should be a course consider turning it into a course. If it should be a program, a challenge, a workshop, what have you, then if you do have this sort of topic, if you're addressing this sort of need with your audience, and if you are experiencing that complete cliff edge drop-off of your members once they pass that test, once they've had that wedding, once they've um, given birth to their child, like if you've got that end point and you're struggling with what to do after, then that might just mean that you've got the wrong business model. However, turning your membership into a course isn't the only way to address this sort of situation. Something else you could consider is creating additional complementary products and services that will go alongside your membership offering. So look at what other needs your audience might have before, during and after the part of their journey that your membership currently addresses. 
So let's take the example of the driving test. So if you've got a membership that helps people pass their driving test, so the part of the journey that you are involved in is people come to you when they're in the process of learning to drive, they're approaching their test or they know it's going to be coming up in a few months' time. Your membership very specifically helps them prepare for this and through your support, through your courses, through your training, you increase their chance of passing. Maybe some of your students will fail first time and they'll pass on the second time and you have material for that. But again, you've got a very defined specific role that you play within their journey. But their journey might have multiple stages, multiple phases to it. And perhaps the part you play is maybe step two of a four-step journey to someone going from being a complete novice, never stepped foot in a car, to being a confident driver. Somewhere along the line, they take their test, they pass their test, and then they start building that confidence up. So you handle that step. But what is the bigger journey? Where does your membership fit along the way? What comes before you entering the scene? And what comes after people are done with you? What other needs are there? And more importantly, how could you address them too? So maybe if preparing for and passing your driving test is step two out of a four-step journey, maybe step one is finding their driving instructor. So how to find the right driving instructor? Maybe it includes learning the absolute bare bones basics of a car, driving a car, the difference between manual and automatic, where the turn signal is, what the different symbols on the dashboard are, and so on, so they don't turn up to their very first driving test and get in on the wrong side or take a seat in the boot. (laughs) Do Americans have boots? Do you call them boots? I'm completely drawing a blank as to uh, what Americans call the bit at the back of the car that you... uh, Trunk! Trunk! (laughs) I'm bet you're glad that you did it, that I kept this bit in the podcast. Yeah, so, you know, are they like me? They don't know the word for trunk. They're your step one, people. There is a bunch of stuff, a bunch of questions, some needs that occur before the point at which your driving test aid membership might step in. So could you address that? Either with your existing membership, so you expand the scope of who you're targeting in your audience to appeal to those early stage drivers and get them from a point of knowing literally nothing about even, yeah, which side of the car to get in, what the trunk is, (laughs) all the way through to passing their test. Or Rather than expanding the scope of your membership, maybe you create a different product. Maybe you address people at that stage with a paid ebook or a mini course or a workshop. It's extra revenue for you. And then you take people from step one to step two, at which point they're ready for your membership. They complete step two. And then once they pass the test, what's next? What's the next stage of the journey? So maybe step three is where they've just passed their test and they're trying to get accustomed to driving solo, unaccompanied for the first time. There's still a lot to learn once you pass your test. There's a lot of situations they might not be fully prepared for. I don't know what it's like in other parts of the world, but I never learned to change a tire during my driving test. I had to change a tire within the first six months of driving. I didn't fare too well. 
these sort of situations that a new driver might not be fully prepared for, again, that that's just part of the needs that occur after your role, your part in their story. And of course, there's a big difference between learning what every road sign means in preparation for your driving test and actually retaining that knowledge once the test is done and being able to recall it. So maybe there's more training or there's a quick reference that would be useful too. So again, this could be a case of expanding the scope of your membership. So your membership is no longer just about what happens at step two, passing the driving test, but what happens afterwards. Or maybe it's a separate community. Maybe it's a separate paid resource. Perhaps you took my advice to turn your membership about passing your test. You've turned that into a course. So now this step, step three, perhaps that's your membership. Maybe you create the Nervous Drivers Network, a membership community for drivers new and old who are a bit anxious about driving either because they just passed their test or maybe there's someone who drives infrequently. They haven't driven regularly for a while. Maybe they're just apprehensive about big trips or driving on the freeway. Perhaps they had an accident in the past and they're still a little shaky. Maybe their partner used to do all the driving, but they've since separated. And now they were left the car in the divorce, but they haven't driven it in 10 years. The Nervous Drivers Network. I'm going to be disappointed if at least one person doesn't start this after the, this episode. Now, sure, this is a real specific thing. It's a really specific type of person you'd be attracting. But the needs of this group are far more likely to be recurring needs, even lifelong needs. That support system, that reassurance, the confidence that they need to build up. Building up that confidence isn't a case of follow this 10-step program and then you're suddenly a confident driver. It's far less of a finite start process end than passing your driving test. So maybe that is the membership. And then step four in this journey, once people are comfortable and confident driving, what might they need then? Well, maybe now is when they start looking at planning long-distance trips, driving in difficult weather, road trips through a different country where everyone drives on the wrong side of the road, and so on. Each of those scenarios, situations that might be brand new to a driver who's comfortable, they're confident day-to-day, but they are still to take their first big cross-country road trip. They're going abroad for the very first time and they're renting a car and they're going to be driving in an unfamiliar system. Each of these could make for great paid products. So these could be workshops, ebooks, mini courses, or again, you could be expanding the scope of your core membership and these could be advanced courses within that membership. So there are a whole bunch of options for expanding your product strategy beyond the part of your journey that you might be currently focusing on. And that gives a lot more life to the topic and can help you to break through the limitations that you might have with your current approach to your membership. It just involves zooming out and looking at the larger journey, finding where your membership currently fits, and then exploring what other needs exist before during and after. And that's something that every membership owner can benefit from. Even if your current membership isn't a one where there's a very fixed endpoint, 
There's no doubt potential to address the needs that people have before they'd be ready to join your membership and also the needs that they'd have after after the point at which they might be feeling that they've outgrown what your membership offers. Another great example is if you have a membership to help people through pregnancy. Now that is a very fixed timeline with a very specific endpoint, right? But do the needs of an expectant parent only start with conception? And do they end once the child is born? I'm pretty sure they don't. I've never birthed a child myself, but I'm pretty sure that someone who is planning a family has needs, questions, problems they want to have addressed before the point of successfully conceiving. And then once the kid is born, I'm pretty sure the stuff that comes after, right? (laughs) I may just be naive, Now, that doesn't mean you have to expand your membership or expand your product offering to cover from the first moment someone decides they want to get pregnant all the way through to the day that they finally kick their 40-year-old son out of their basement. You don't have to cover the whole journey. Just recognize that with whatever you do, there's likely a bigger picture for your audience and that gives you greater scope to address other needs. Whether that's an all-encompassing pregnancy and parenting membership or whether it's a suite of five different product offerings, each catering to a specific part of the journey, raising a child, driving a car, having a wedding that turns into a marriage that lasts for years, expanding the scope of your product strategy by zooming out and looking at the whole journey where you currently fit and what else is needed at different stages. That's a great way of breaking free of those restrictions that come from a membership that has that limited life cycle that we've talked about. And they don't even need to be your products. Maybe you don't want to create the Nervous Drivers Network. Maybe you don't want to sell ebooks with tips on getting pregnant. But do other people? Are other people selling this stuff? Are there other products out there that address the needs of your audience before and after the point at which your membership currently serves them. You can look at possible affiliate partnerships with other product creators, authors, coaches, communities, where you get commission for sending people their way once they're done with you. And likewise, maybe there's opportunities for them to promote you too. This synergy, which by the way is probably the most corporate word I think I've ever uttered on this show, (laughs) this synergy can be a great counterbalance to the restrictions faced by having a one-and-done membership. So if your membership does have that natural end date, that end point, a limited period of time in which it's relevant, and once members do what they came to do, they're gone, then you could consider turning the membership into a course, you could consider branching out and developing additional products to address other needs, pairing up with other product creators to almost create this network of different offerings that will address people's needs at different points of their larger journey. So you could do all of those things, or you could, you know, get over it. Seriously, get over it. Accept it for what it is. Okay, so once people hit that goal, once they've had that wedding, once they've had that kid, once they've passed that test, then they're going to leave you no longer have anything to offer them, okay, that's fine. It is what it is. You can choose to just accept that. 
Remember, whether you have a membership, a course, a coaching program, or something else, ultimately, when it comes down to numbers, everything is about one metric. Customer lifetime value. I've talked about this on the show before, back in episode 172. You can head to themembershipguys.com slash 172 to listen to that, or you'll find the link and any of the links that we mentioned from today's show on the show notes for this episode at themembershipguys.com slash 299. Customer lifetime value is ultimately what it all comes down to. If you have a membership that costs $50 a month and people stay on average for 10 months, then the total amount of money you make per member is $500. That's your customer lifetime value. If you sell a course that costs $500 one-time payment, then the total amount of money you make per member, per student, is $500. The customer lifetime value is exactly the same. So if you have a recurring membership that addresses a recurring need, so a membership that doesn't suffer from the problems of having that fixed end day, that natural end point. So you've got a membership that people could stay in for years and years and years to come. And in fact, some people might stay in for years and years to come. But on average, when you weighed up the people who stay forever and the people who leave after the first month or so, if, say, people stay on average for six months, you're charging 50 bucks a month, your lifetime value for each customer is $300. If you have a membership that does have that fixed end point and everyone in your membership leaves at the six month mark. You don't have some people staying for two years, some people staying for two days. Everyone is leaving at six months because that's the end point of the process. At 50 bucks a month, then your lifetime value is 300 bucks. It's the same. The only difference is that with the first membership, People are leaving around the six-month mark because they're not using it or they can't afford it or they're overwhelmed by the content or a variety of other reasons. Some will stick around for years, some will leave after a week. It all averages out to six months. The member tenure is varied. The reasons people leave are varied, but on average, it's shaking out at a six-month stay. With the second membership that has the fixed endpoint, Everyone's leaving at the six-month mark because that's the point at which they accomplish what they're trying to do. And having accomplished that, your membership's no longer useful. That's the reason they're leaving. Very few people will stay beyond that point because there's no reason to. But also, very few people will probably leave earlier in the process either because it's such a specific outcome, it's such a specific process. So the member tenure will likely, in that type of membership, be more consistent. The reasons for leaving are more consistent. But regardless, it still ends with an average stay of six months. It all comes out equal at the end of the day. So why would you stress about the fact your membership has a limited life cycle? So the topic you've chosen has a limited maximum amount of time people will stay. That means people won't stick around forever. Why would you stress about it? Every membership loses members regardless of whether they address recurring needs or one-off needs. Just because someone could stick around in another membership forever, well, that doesn't mean anything unless everyone does, right? There's going to be an average drop-off point. Big difference is you know what yours is. So let's take that pregnancy membership. That's another good example. It's fair to say that you could expect people to leave that after nine months. 
right? It is nine months, right? As I said, I've never birthed a child. (laughs) But it's a pretty safe bet that someone going through the process will leave after nine months, that that's the point your membership becomes redundant to them. On average, people who join will no longer need the membership after nine months because it outlives its purpose. Now, when you start digging into the average membership tenure across the whole industry, while there's not a huge wealth of data and benchmarks available, the data there is points towards the average membership length across the whole industry as being, wait for it, around nine months. So if the typical membership that addresses recurring needs where people could perhaps need to stay for years and years and years, if those typical average memberships that don't suffer from the limited life cycle of having a fixed end date, if they are generally on average seeing people drop off around nine months, then is it such a big deal that the nature of your topic means people will also leave your membership in nine months? Well, no, because it wouldn't be any different if you had a membership where you didn't have those restrictions. Because, yeah, people on average are leaving those after nine months anyway. So perhaps this isn't a problem you're trying to solve. Perhaps this isn't something you stress about. And in many ways, knowing for certain what your lifetime value will be, knowing for certain or being able to make a pretty good guesstimate that people will stick around for nine months. That's how long your membership has relevancy to your audience. Knowing that going in actually gives you an advantage Knowing that information will be extremely useful. This is extremely useful data that most membership owners will not be able to discover until they are several years in. When someone starts a membership with a topic that doesn't really have a set time frame or set end date, then there's no real way to know how long members are likely to stick around until you've been up and running for a couple of years and have enough data to actually calculate this. But if you know going in that the very nature of your topic, the very nature of the needs that you're addressing means that people are going to stick around for six months, nine months or whatever, then that's an advantage, not a weakness. It means that you can better prioritize how much time and resources you spend on member retention versus other areas of your business. It means that you know your lifetime value from the start so you can use that information to determine ad budgets. You know you can spend 50 bucks to acquire a member because every member is going to be worth 500 bucks. Other membership owners will not know that stuff right off the bat. You're not going to know until you're a couple of years in what the average member tenure is because that average for a typical membership will be comprised with people who stay for years and people who stay for days, right? So until you've had the membership for years, you're not kind of you're not going to get the data from the people at the long-term end of the spectrum to balance out and give you that average for the whole membership. So this can be a real advantage knowing this stuff. It gives you a leg up on what most other membership owners have access to in terms of data, in terms of predictability of their membership's performance. And so this means that you can avoid wasting time and effort on trying to improve retention beyond that fixed endpoint, trying to fix the problem of everyone dropping off after they've done what they came to do. If that's just part and parcel of the subject that you've chosen to focus on and the needs that you're addressing, then why waste time, effort, resources, money trying to move an immovable object? 
You can invest that time in driving more sales, in developing other products and so on. So if you've been losing sleep or banging your head on the desk, trying to figure out what to do about the fact that members keep leaving you after a set amount of time once they've done what they came to do, because your topic just has a natural endpoint, it's one and done, it's limited, it's got that set window of relevancy to your members, then hopefully today's episode has given you some peace of mind as well as some ideas about how you might adjust or expand your business model to turn that fixed endpoint into an advantage and not a weakness. And even if you do have a membership where you don't have those limitations, then I do hope that some of what we talked about today in terms of reframing the discussion, reframing the thought process around audience needs, the role that you play, and the bigger journey that they're on, that will undoubtedly, I do hope, have unlocked some ideas to give you some new perspective on the part your membership plays and the potential that you have to expand it in the future. All right, that is it from me. I do hope you found today's episode useful. Next week is the big 300. It's not just going to be a regular episode. We've got something exciting, something different lined up from you, and I'm not going to spoil it. You're just going to have to stick around and join me next week for the 300th episode of the Membership Guys podcast. I can't wait, and I'll see you there. Do you want to boost your member signups and take your membership to the next level? If so, you're not going to want to miss the free webinar that I'm running on Tuesday, the 26th of March. It's called Supercharge Your Membership Sales, and it is entirely free. During the webinar, you will learn how to level up your core membership sales funnel for more traffic, leads, and sales. You'll discover the biggest roadblocks that could be costing you sales right now, and most importantly, how to fix them. And we're going to cover the key tactics that you need to have in place to successfully market and scale your membership. Plus, you get the opportunity to tap into my years of expertise in the membership space and have me help solve your current sales and marketing challenges. So, if you want to take your membership sales to the next level, join me on Tuesday, March 26th at 7pm UK time and go to membershipgeeks.com webinar. That's membershipgeeks.com webinar to secure your free seat today.